listening to This Week in Health Innovation on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, the publisher of ACOWatch.com and host of This Week in Health Innovation. The Health Innovation Media and Healthcare Now Radio pop-up studio team covered the second Health, that's H-L-T-H, conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. The combined team included Nick Vanderhaden, MD, a.k.a. Dr. Nick, Douglas Goldstein, the eFuturist, Roberta Mullen, partner Answers Media Network and station manager at Healthcare Now Radio, Carol Flagg, partner and director of marketing, Answers Media Network, and Jane Bogue, chief revenue officer at Extelligent Healthcare Media. The conversation was recorded live in a busy exhibition hall at Health, so do enjoy the exchange. Nick, over to you. Thanks, Greg. This is Dr. Nick. I'm here at the Health 2019 show in Las Vegas. I'm joined by some colleagues, and we're talking about what we've seen and heard at the show so far today. So first of all, what would I say that I saw that really sort of struck me? And I have to say that it was Facebook on the stage, and that surprised me. They've received an awful lot of negative media, but uh, Freddie Abanusi got on the stage and he talked about social determinants of health. He had a real personal story of his own experience and the importance of bringing uh, social engagement and the capacity of Facebook's reach, which, you know, whether you love or hate them, it doesn't matter. They're here and they're here to stay, is my belief. And I felt like he was here to really compel the Facebook machine to start working with patients and combat some of the challenges that we see in uh, information. But that was my take. Let's ask you, Jane, what did you see and what did you think? So I've spent most of my time on the on the show floor today talking to different exhibitors and I, and I think, um, you know, I was very interested in hearing who they were trying to reach here and um, you know and it's a little bit all over the place there's a lot of clients that are that are looking to reach uh, those uh, those employers that are uh, have their own health insurance plans there's others that are trying to reach the other vendor community um, overall I you know it sounds like everybody's here to, to really drive the conversation around how do we make health care better how do we change health care how do we drive to that common uh, that common denominator and, and, and improve the situation that we're in now um, so, you know, overall, I think everybody's very excited about uh, the conversations they're having and, um, and the number of people that are here. Everybody seems to be happy with the, the you know, the boot traffic that they're getting and, and the conversations they're having. So, overall, I'd say it's, it's been pretty exciting. Certainly a, a buzz here. I mean, I, you don't get that in a, every show that I go to, yeah. but for me, I feel like there's some electricity, um, you know, some engagement. Carol, what was your experience? Yeah, well, so I have the benefit, I guess, of having gone to Health last year, which was its first year, and uh, definitely seen growth this year. Uh, definitely seen some of the issues, perhaps, or you know, feedback they got last year and comments sort of resolved this year. Uh, I agree with I agree with Jane. This conference is different than a Hims or a Connected Health or a, even a Health 2.0, where it's very sort of IT focused. Not that that isn't here, but there are vendors here from the pharma community, from the payer space, you know, and, and, and I think the idea is people are trying to have these, you know, higher level conversations about how to really fix healthcare, how do, how do we get there? And so I think that there is a buzz and there is an excitement. I think that was there last year as well, but it's definitely been escalated this year, really just because there are more exhibitors and there are more people. More expansion, more people. Roberta? 
Yeah, actually, they reported that there's 6,200 attendees they, they have um, registered here. And also remember that this is, this is not backed with, uh, from an organization. When you go to a HIMSS or an MGMA or something like that, that's an organization, and they're bringing their members in. This is, uh, this is quite impressive for nothing backing. Nobody's coming for CE credits. Nobody's coming to, for that type of thing. It's total tracks on people talking about what's going on. And this morning I went to, so I've had like two different sides, one policy, they have a lot of policy going on, they have a lot of heavy hitters coming in here talking about it too, past administration people, current administration people, and and they're all, and interestingly enough, you don't, when you hear them talking and they're on the stage together and everything else, you don't hear that outside normal news uh, buzz that you do that all, all that's all negative and they can't talk together and things like that. I was I, I was actually quite surprised about it, the policy. Isn't that stuff. great? But I seem to remember right at the beginning of the day you posted something that talked about who wants to start with. Uh, no, that was well. My tweet in the morning at eight o'clock this morning is doesn't everybody want to start by talking about um, and they did national, right? <laughs> na- yeah the they national they could have waited out till after lunch though policy yeah. challenges. It was it was an eye opener. It was an eye opener and it, and it was a packed house this morning too. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. You know you uh-huh. wouldn't expect that, right? Right. And the one thing I did learn about. I don't know if I learned it, but it was a great point that they said, the four people that were talking, um, that policy begins with us. You know, they asked the audience, like, who in here is involved in policy? And kind of people were <laughs> like, kind of, well, <laughs> some people did, and it was like very tentative that people were, and they were like, but here's the thing, it's you, it starts yeah, with right. you. It's like, if you need, if we need changes, there's nothing going to change unless we have policy behind us. So it was, it was very interesting. So I got to ask, because I've seen a lot online and I want to sort of face this down because there's a number of people, you know, engaging online saying, where are the patients? What's what's your sort of perception of that? I mean, I I think there are patients, um, you know, but it's not the wide representation. We've seen that across other conferences. Uh, How how do we help fix that? Because they're obviously an important voice. Are we missing that voice or is it represented? Well, you know, I I think that, well, first of all, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier, and we can all agree that we're all patients, obviously. Every person here attending is a patient. Great point. Great point. (laughs) Right, right. So I think, I I mean, as patients ourselves, we we have something to add to the conversation. And I would say that, you know, as you hear these conversations around here, it's hard not to just, you know, think about yourself and put yourself in that that position or that perspective. we do have a voice. I, I, I don't know if we're speaking so much to the fact that there aren't, you know, patient advocacy groups here or, or not that kind of thing, and maybe that's the membership backing versus the non-membership backing. But here's what I, here's what I do know. I think that there are a lot of smart people here at this conference across the spectrum of healthcare. Maybe again, not the patient advocacy side of it, um, but all these conversations. And people, what they're all talking about is how do we get better patient care? How do we deal with, you know, patients feeling high deductible health plans? And the fact that, you know, why am I paying $300 for a prescription that I know, I researched it, it costs a penny to make. You know, you and I talked about that, right? And so these are the conversations that are going on. And, uh, you know, so I don't think the patient, I think the patient is centered to the conversation. 
Yeah, and I, I just want to add to that because I just did an interview with uh, uh, the president of the AMA, yes. Dr. Harris. And at the closing of that interview, I asked her for sort of, you know, closing thoughts. And her, the first words out of her mouth was, their primary consideration, their guiding star is patience. And, and I, I, whilst I think it's easy to sort of lose sight of that, ultimately that's the way that we see this, right? I mean, it, it's, you know, that we're all driven towards how we deliver better care. So I, I, I push back a little bit. I think, you know, in fairness, we can always do better. If you don't believe that, then you're missing some of the data in my Greg, you've, you've been here, you've experienced some of this, you're, you're seeing all of this. What, what's been your uh, standout moment? So, other than your uh, lightsaber routine, <laughs> I, I gotta say I had the most fun, and I haven't posted it with the sound effects yeah, yet. Right. But I promise it's going on. It looks really good. So, so this is my Doctor Nick Luke Skywalker, right. <laughs> soon to be released video yeah, with special effects, right? Yes. Yeah. So this is my first year. I was invited last year as a media partner, but I decided not to go because there was a, uh, a scheduling issue. But this year, um, uh, invited primarily um, uh, with the good uh, goodwill of Care.ai, which has launched their platform here. But I have to say, I'm impressed. It's it's pricey to get here. Yeah. This whole issue about the voice of the patient and lack of organized groups of patients having a presence here, I haven't seen that. It wouldn't surprise me if they're not here. But. There's an amazing presence from a giant ecosystem, vendors, platform, people, health systems and health plans. I mean, there's a huge mix. So I, I was impressed. And uh, actually, I, I just say Rasu Shresta is the one who really encouraged me uh, that health was a happening place. So my first impressions, which I tweeted out, was especially coming through the hallway with the lightsabers yeah, and right. the cool effects. <laughs> it was like Ted Med sort of welcoming us. It's a branding kind of, experience. Of, You're walking into this experience. I, I and right. that was exactly right. we right. walked together and that was my experience. I right. felt like I was walking into something as opposed to just walking past, you know, just mm -hmm. regular stuff and oh right, there's a conference going on as well. It was it, it definitely they do a really good job of putting it together. So, Tell us some of the interviews that went on. So well so I, I just want to say that the it's Ted Med-esque on the entree. It's about that kind of experience. The artwork here is phenomenal. Okay, they go way out of their way, but mm -hmm. it's a caricature. All the speakers, keynotes, and, and this and that. It had the early vibe, uh, it had the vibe of early days of Health 2.0. Uh -huh. A lot of excitement, a lot of buzz. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, Health 2.0 seems to be uh, on life uh, uh, support. You know, life support, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, we've had some fantastic mm -hmm. interviews. We started with Dr. Uh, Secretary Shulkin, former. Uh, uh, cabinet secretary to a president. I was a Trump. fantastic interview, fantastic, i got to say. Fantastic. His book is... Just uh, came out with his new book. Just yep. came out with yep. his new book. We talked about that. It must read. A must read book. It should, uh, shulkinbook.com is the link to right. check out. For Christmas that. presents. Yeah, Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but not, not until after lunchtime, right? <laughs> right. So, no, we, 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 we rarely have difficulty talking to top-level people. So... Uh, uh, we talked to the CIO, Chief Innovation Officer at City of Hope. We talked, obviously, to Secretary Shulkin. Uh, who am I missing? Who else have we spoken? Well, we had MediSafe, their, their whole application with AI. I, I, 
big sort of persistence across all of these artificial intelligence. That yeah. really seems to be the sort of um, recurrent theme with a lot of companies. Was it blockchain last year? I don't know. I lose track of which ones. But in this particular instance, I feel like AI, is, is, we're at an inflection point, and in part, right next to care.ai, where they've taken that and essentially come out with a big splash to say, we've got some real technology that can deliver value that is absolutely founded on artificial intelligence. Doug, what do you think? No, absolutely. We're at a confluence point. We went from training everybody who uses the web to training mobile phones. So we've keyboards to punching on phones. And then uh, now we're back to voice, right? Which is driven by artificial intelligence. And uh, that's the original interface because that's how we got stuff done. We told people what to do. Um, we are, we're at an absolute con confluence because low-cost computing power, AI is not new. It's been around for 63 yeah, years. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, but we've digitized our lives through mobile the web and that that's the data that AI can learn from I mean care AI went out and built a behavioral health library they hired actors and put them in hospital rooms to create AI is useless unless it has the baseline to learn from and grow from and um, it doesn't have common sense though and so we're, the question is when it's really augmented intelligence I think is a much larger term and most people don't understand AI. It's really a new electricity, but it's going to revolutionize every process we have, just like mobile phones did, just like the web did. Just so we're at this point, and uh, but there's a big knowledge gap about what AI is. Huge. You know, it's so funny you talk about that knowledge gap. Um, when we were at uh, MGMA uh, recently in New Orleans, it was, feels like it was yesterday. Um, I, I, there was a, se a session, and uh, it, it was run by uh, the, the head guy at, at CareCloud, and he asked his audience of, you know, practice, mostly practice directors, going, you know, raise your hands, how many, how many in here uh, use um, AI as part of their business, and, you know, just, you know, maybe he's had a couple, two people, you were there, Greg, two people raise their hands, and what was his next question? And he says, well, maybe it's a little bit, let me pose it a different way. How many of you are using Gmail? Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. right. They're using yeah. AI. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, right. How many yeah. are talking to Alexa right. or Siri? Right. 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 So I, you're right. There is a knowledge gap there, and people not, you know, understanding yeah. really how prevalent AI is in their personal lives and their business lives, and they don't see it that way because you know they're they see iRobot, you know, 20 years ago, or they see you know a Hollywood movie, or or they read perhaps you know um, you know scary headlines about super AI and, you know, the Terminator and all that kind of stuff. And they don't recognize that it's completely, it has been for many, many years, completely pervasive. You know, once we started with the, with the iPhone and just said there was no going back. So what was HIMSS a year ago, number two trend was AI, but number seven was machine learning. <laughs> okay, this is IT professionals. Right. They're the same thing. So that there is that huge knowledge gap among ordinary right. citizens and even professionals. Even IT. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say um, thank you to Care.ai for giving this up, us this opportunity here today. But we decided that our lens was going to be 
What are the what is the status of the deployments of AI in the health system world at this point? You know, is it novelty? Is it really kind of a buzzword? But are there use cases? Are there some deployments now for which there are actual data that they're seeing some value add? But we're at the point now where there is some data empirics. Well, we did talk to uh, Dr. Harlan Levine from the City of Hope, right. and they're using AI to identify. Um, so they have autoimmune suppressed patients because of cancer treatment, so they're using it to uh, predict likelihood of sepsis to present that, to create interventions before it even becomes a problem. So, yeah, that was a very specific use case that came out from our interview with uh, Dr. Levine. Well, and Daniel talked about that too. I mean, they've got the same kind of um, uh, from use cases. Uh, from LifeBridge, where they're using it for image analysis, and that's been one of the primary uh, you know, forefronts for that. Um, and they've got two, two very specific ones, uh, looking for brain bleeds and looking for pulmonary embolus. So those are both emergent conditions that you want to know about as quickly as possible. We don't know for sure if you get to it quickly that it's going to improve the outcome, but it seems like that's a fair yeah. idea. Yeah. And they're essentially taking any imaging that covers those areas, right. running it through the AI and giving a response within minutes to put it to the top of the queue, not to make an automated decision, but to say, instead of looking at the CT that's plumb normal, look at the one that we think that has a problem, read it, make sure if that's the case, and then actually go and in, engage with the patient and play some intervention. That's it. That's care I want, for and sure. And right? how about Dr. Shulkin's remark this morning at breakfast about you know, there's no sales value prop to the idea of we're going to reduce falls, we're going to reduce readmissions. It's are you going to lower our cost basis? And how can you do that? Right. Well, you got nurses walking five miles a day or six miles a day. So, but badging in, documenting this. I just so want to this, say that's a good thing for them, but just you know, well, from a health standpoint, <laughs> right, right, get those steps up. How's that? Get those steps. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, there's that. But I will tell you that you know. Nick, that the difference between intentional exercise... No, I know. I, you know right. I'm teasing. But the right. ubiquitous... The Care AI solution is really ubiquitous. It's passive sensing. Why do I have to wear anything? I mean, the sensors knows. We, right. we have ring doorbells and we have video protecting our house. Why not have sent a guardian angel sentinels without me having to put on this and wear so, this? And so, so paint a little picture here of what people are seeing as they walk by this booth. What are they seeing? Well, they're seeing essentially um, a gigantic monitor. Yeah, it's 10 by 10. The front of the booth is a 10 by 10 monitor, and it's tracking everybody walking by the booth. Facial recognition. Gate, facial recognition, and um, it's basically, it knows you. If you sit down, it knows you're doing that. If you wet your pants, it knows you did that. If you have a temperature, it knows that. Um, so you have the ability for, and they use sensor fusion, you have the ability to know without touching somebody or without making them wear something with many of the things that we are now like oh this is cool this apple watch and this so the point is that we have i think it's not a punitive technology it's if you have an aging parent in place then you may have an opportunity to have a guardian angel there we are talking the city of hope is doing a vertical unit it's not a step-down unit but it's Transferring patients home, there's big concerns about relapse and compliance with medication and chemotherapy. So they're creating a vertical um, step down, but it's not. It's it's like residences or it's like apartments. 
but there's clinicians right by, so they see this Sentinel salute, the, the Care AI solution, to passively monitor people's activity and alert them and predict based on gait or other factors that some, and avoid a fall. So, so one thing, so I'll tell you what I'm seeing, people walking by uh, this giant 10 by 10 monitor that's uh, got these, I don't know how many data points it's, it's picking up, but from the point of view of what's called autonomous monitoring as self-aware rooms, whether it's in the hospital or a SNF or a nursing home, um, that makes total sense. But in the, in, the, in the general population, one has to think about Skynet becoming aware. Because where is all this machine learning going and for what purpose? You know, so there's some issues. Well, let's talk I mean, about those issues because that came up in some of the interviews. Yeah. You know, the whole issue of bias that's built into yeah. data, right? right. Um, you know, let's just fess up. I mean, the reality is we all have bias in ourselves. It, it doesn't matter how perfect and pure you think you are. It's just inherent. We live in tribes. It's, it's, it's part of our world and being aware of that. Recent publication uh, in the Journal of the American Medical Association talked about the bias of AI that was essentially shifting um, African-American patients away from care because the AI agent had learned that they weren't good outcomes because they were suffering essentially bias against their conditions and treatments. How do we cope with that? What's going on? What are we able to do that can help sort of combat that? That was the basis of the Washington Post article right. that came out yep. last Friday, you know. And, uh, well, obviously, um, you know, having the Washington Post report on something like that is, is a good thing, right? right? Because, you know, bringing attention back, back to the patient, the patient in the conversation, you know, understanding you know, what is happening with this data and, you know, and AI means, you know, it's kind of a com complicated, complicated topic, right? But to make people aware of the fact that, hey, look, you know, we're, you've got something going on here where, for whatever reason, we're collecting this data and it's being, um, you know, being processed by by artificial intelligence. Well, the intelligence has no bias no, in it. No, it's the, just right, that using it's, it's the data the, that's right. and replicating the bias that exists in but the data. But that's the problem. And, yeah. and I think, so what resonated with Dr. Harris from the American Medical Association was the word vigilance to that issue. I think, you know, you can't purge any of this from our world of technology. It exists. But if we're aware of it, we have an opportunity to combat it and deal with it. And I think that's part of, you know, to, to, to your point of what's going on and is, you know, um, Skynet became self-aware and where do we go with that? I don't know. Well, you know, that's so funny. You, I mean, you say that. You talk about, you know, okay, remember um, 2001 Space Odyssey? Hal became self-aware and, you know, that was... Hal didn't become self-aware. He was always aware. I just want to say. I don't know about that. He became <laughs> evil. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's lots of, I mean, there's lots of Hollywood, there's lots of books yeah. about that, about, again, what they call right. superintelligence and AI becoming aware and then making these decisions that they shouldn't be making, like right. racially profiling, right? Yeah. right? You're in the media, right. Jane. Right. Yeah. No, and I mean, how do you eliminate all the, you know, social determinants? I mean, it's not just the, the, the inherent biases, but how do you eliminate everything that would create some kind of uh, influence on AI in terms of how you treat it? Yeah, so, so the, there's a non-bias example of this that's maybe helpful in sort of explaining this. So, there was a, a, an agent and a set of data that looked at pediatric patients um, and tried to route them accordingly in a hospital uh, for asthma. 
And one of the data points that came out that was really shocking was if you were a pediatric patient and you went to the intensive care unit, you had a really good, that was a positive indicator. So if you went to the ICU, that was a positive. Of course, that's not true. No. But the data showed that because they were the people that were getting the high acuity of care. And, and what that tells me in all of this is that we have to have the human oversight that goes, well, that doesn't make sense. What's actually, and it's that vigilance yes. and the oversight that actually brings us back to, so, you know, I, I forget who says it, but in, in this group, but it's augmented, it's not artificial. And, and it's the, uh, the ability to augment human capacity. Greg? Well, I, I was going to say, you know, if you differentiated between AI, artificial intelligence, and augmented intelligence, I think augmented intelligence means, speaks to me more than just the science. It does. It's, it's a, a friendlier term, yeah. right? You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not, and I think people are scared that right. they're going to be replaced. I just want to say they're never going to replace my whiskey tasting because nobody's going to taste this long, right? That's right. Seize it, him. We're going to you're going to be replaced on the factory lines, but we're not going to be placed in a whiskey tasting. No replacement. So I might add, we are recording this in the exhibit hall, and it's food time. So uh, yeah. uh, that's what you're hearing in the background, plates. And, uh, and what also means so we're wrapping up so we can get glasses of wine. We're right? wrapping up. It's time to yeah. Yeah, yeah. Time, time to scoot yeah. out of here. Yeah. So it just yeah. remains to thank uh, uh, the folks that have been with me. This is Dr. Nick. I'm the incrementalist, and I'm here at Health 2019 in Las Vegas. Greg? And thank you, Nick. That is the last word on today's Health 2019 wrap-up broadcast for more information or to listen to the referenced interviews including Patrice Harris, MD, President of the American Medical Association, Daniel Kraft, MD, Physician, Scientist, and Innovator and Curator of Exponential Medicine, former Athena Health co-founder and CEO Jonathan Bush, now Executive Chairman at Firefly Health, a direct primary care model, and Daniel J. Durand, MD, Chief Innovation Officer at LifeBridge Health, go to www.healthinnovationmedia.com. For This Week in Health Innovation and Healthcare Now Radio, this is Greg Masters saying, bye now.